dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Making decisions is hard. For some, it's the thing we dread the most. St. Joseph shows us how we can make decisions with the grace of God, and what he shows us might surprise us. Making decisions in his own life, Joseph had to turn not only to contemplation and thought, but also to action. Here are some thoughts that might help you to do the same. Suppose we begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are looking here, this is the uh, second of our talks on St. Joseph as a model for leadership. And I just, I love doing these talks with you because St. Joseph is someone that we don't always think about as a model leader, uh, and yet when you, when you consider the fact that all of, the, of God's plan is to have the family be sanctified and that the family that Jesus Christ came into this world and was in the care of St. Joseph and that the husband and the father has a unique role to play in the family governance and that is the, the, the role of leadership. Well, we're looking at the leader of the holy family which is the leader of, the, of, the, of the, the core cell, you know, of what God wanted to do in saving the world. When he sent his son to die for us, he didn't send him in isolation. He sent his son to die for us as the member of a family. This is just such an incredible thing to, to, to constantly drill home for us because today a lot of us think that, you know what, it's all about me. It's me as an individual. It's me shining in my career. It's me. And we just forget the total fact that none of us stands alone. None of us came into this world alone and none of us lives for God alone. Everything that we do and everything that we are flows from the context of a family and it's supposed to go back into that family. That is to say, when God saves one of us, he saves us as the member of a family. And and the the role of our family in our life is just not played up a lot in our American culture. Other cultures that do a better job of it, of really emphasizing this. But the fact that it's not played up doesn't mean that it's not important. And and this this is really critical for us. When Jesus came to save the world, he came to save his dad his foster father, Joseph, and his mom, Mary, who said, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. 
and, and so when he came into this world, everything that he did had a direct influence and even the most influence on his own family. No one was saved more profoundly than the Virgin Mary. The grace of Christ and what he did had his biggest impact on the woman who was closest to him, his mother. So it's like, I remember this beautiful phrase by one of our brothers and, uh, who told me one time he was an older fellow and he's telling me about his, his older mom. And he said, you know, the wonderful thing about a mother is that you know that wherever you are, someone in this world is thinking of you. And he was just kind of reminiscing just about how beautiful it was to have a mother. And, and Christ had a mother. And every moment of his life, someone was thinking of him, his mother. And she was caring for him. Well, that union, that bond that she had with Christ allowed her to be sanctified by him more than anything else. She was the closest one to the source. Well, who was the second closest? That was St. Joseph. And this is why uh, I think it was Pope Pius XI actually said that in heaven, the second highest place of glory was given to St. Joseph. All right, so it's kind of like the gold medal goes to Mary, the silver medal goes to Joseph. And, and, and that's, again, because of this, this truth that the proximity that we have to holiness in an individual member of the family actually it redounds to impact our own life. It was Leo Thirteenth in his encyclical on St. Joseph. And I just throw this one out. This is just like a little bit of a freebie for you. A lot of times I know people that are married, men who are married to very holy women. And, they could, and then the holy women come and see me and they say, Father Nathan, what are we going to do? My poor husband, he just doesn't know God. He doesn't love God. My, my first point is bring the husband in here so I can tell him about God. But then, of course, the husbands don't want to come or whatever. And then I point out this line that comes from the encyclical on St. Joseph by Pope Leo XIII. He said that Joseph's holiness, because he was espoused to Mary, the holiness that was in her soul spread over to his. The bond of marriage is such, said St. Pope Leo, that the holiness of the one spouse can actually go to impact the other. And so since Mary was the holiest of them all, St. Joseph, well, he came in number two in this particular case, but he profited or benefited by the holiness of his spouse. And therefore, if your spouse is not able to live up to your own call to holiness, don't despair. Remember that that bond of matrimony actually unites the two souls in such a way that your own following of Christ Jesus our Lord and your own sharing in his grace and in the Eucharist will have an impact even on the soul of your spouse. So that this family context is critical for us because the same thing happens when we look at our own careers and our challenge to be leaders. Our individualistic sense of what makes a leader has just got to change. If you are great and you develop your greatness, and, and as well you should, you never do it just for you. The greatness that you develop and the greatness that you form will have an impact on all the relations in your family, not just by inspiration, but since it's a, it is a greatness that's carried by a Christian and every Christian is united in the communion of saints with every other Christian, and that unity is the strongest in the family, the great things that you try to achieve in the grace of Christ and with his grace will actually have an impact going back even on the sanctification of your family. This is why we need to dare great things. We need to stop, uh, we need to put away all of our fears and all this constant worry and anxiety that we have that keeps us low and, and lowly 
And we need to step forth boldly and say, Jesus is calling me to develop my talents, develop my skills, push the envelope, create that new invention, work for this new method, find this better way of, of performance in the office, whatever it might be. But I need to start that daring because whenever I dare anything in Christ, it's not only I that benefit, but those around me, my, my children, my spouses, my brothers, my sisters, my extended family, my cousins. And this is why it's so cool to then look and to say, what does St. Joseph himself teach us about Christ? How does his leadership reveal something to us about the way that we're supposed to act in Christ? Because he, as an individual, was a member also of this holy family, and his activity was based in Christ's grace. And being based in Christ's grace, it also reveals to us something about who Christ wants us to be today. And this is, I think, the first nugget. How did Joseph deal with having to make these big decisions in his life? Let's talk about that. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Well, you might remember in our, in, our, in our previous talk, we took a look at what Joseph was facing, right? And that was, if you take a look at Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child in the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet and uh, which behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us when Joseph woke from sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him he took his wife but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus this is an astounding scenario and in the last talk we it, we talked about how Joseph had to ponder what to do and how in that the 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 fact that he was looking to to he was of a mind to divorce her quietly was not because he suspected her in any way shape or form of any kind of malfeasance <laughs> it wasn't that our lady was acting improperly that was impossible there's no way you could be betrothed to the virgin mary the most perfect creature on earth and even suspect her of doing wrong in fact he knew that she was with child from the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I, he had to have known this because there's no way that Mary would have acted out of line. That's why he has fear. Look at what the angel tells him in verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. This means that what was paralyzing Joseph was this holy fear of the great things that God was calling him to do. He was, God was calling him to betroth to himself, to take to himself as his wife, the tabernacle of the Most High. 
And that would mean to take as his wife the woman who would bear the Savior of the world, the Son of God. I mean, what would you do, right? <laughs> let's, just be, let's just be kind of like, you know, honest about it. What would you do? Would you be so brazen as to say, oh, yes, absolutely, I'll take that on? I mean, a lot of you struggle even with the fact that your children want to be priests. And then you say, oh, my gosh, I can't do, you know, if we want, if we do that, the whole family dynamic will change. What will we do for family reunions? What will we, you know, you find the, the, the vocation director for the Diocese of New York City said that his two biggest obstacles to getting vocations to the Catholic priesthood from his diocese were the following. Number one was money and number two was mom. And I think that that, that, that really shocked me when I heard that mom, you think that mothers would be proud, but in fact, it happens a lot that a young person wants to follow Christ as a religious, as a nun, as a priest, and their parents put their foot down saying, don't do it. Or let's put it this way. What if Christ were to say, open your business to me. I want you to tithe 1% of what you give, of what you earn every year to the church from your business, not just from your own salary, but from your business. I mean, would you, like, why? Because your business exists for my glory, right? Like, what would you be willing what if he were to say, I want you to take your talents and now I want you to work for the church with your talents. You've made enough money, you can retire. Why don't you retire a little bit earlier than you might thought of and then I want you to go and actually work as a leader that the church, your parish, your diocese really needs. Would you do it? I mean, how many nonprofits are floundering because of a lack of leadership and yet how many leadership leaders are out there wishing that they had a meaningful employment? And, and, and here I say it to kind of like challenge a little bit because most of us don't, we're, we're gripped with fear. We say, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy of doing that or, or, you know, I'm just not good at that element of my life or what would happen to change? What would have to change in my life if I accepted that call? That's exactly what Joseph did. He's laying on his bed with the greatest invitation from Almighty God in front of him. The only thing that Joseph's gonna have to give up is everything else. Now, I mean, again, he's betrothed to the Virgin Mary. You've got the most perfect woman of all time. God interrupts because she's so, she's so perfect. She belongs to him. And so God speaks to her directly. And all of a sudden, she's filling out his plan. What will he do? Will he follow in her footsteps? Will he allow the, the holiness of his spouse to actually lead him? Will he allow, if you want to think of it for those who aren't married, right? The holiness of your coworkers, the holiness of your friends. Will you follow in their footsteps when they decide to start to make a weekly holy hour? When they decide to start to tithe? What about you? Will you accept this? You see, Joseph had to ponder in his heart. God was calling him to greatness and he was afraid. God was calling him to a new level of gift of himself and he was afraid. What would this mean? Could he live up to the challenge? He has it in his mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20, and as he considered these things, this pondering, the restless nights of the leader, the anxieties that we have to carry, as soon as we start doing something, he considers these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I love that. Of course, I don't think you can really say this in the, from the text itself, right? But I'd love to think about this. That means he was considering these things as he was sleeping, right? How many of us, it's like that. You, you're in your dreams and you're actually thinking about the challenges that are in front of you, right? I think it's almost a good sign of a leader that even in their sleep, they're thinking about what they're doing when they're awake. Because man wasn't made to sleep. Man was made for activity. He was made to live, to shine, to move. 
And that means that our, when we're really trying to do something and we're pulling that box, oh, that, that, that crate of rocks up the hillside, you know, and it's just strapped to our backs and we just feel all the tug and the weight of our leadership, we're just like Joseph. He's got this ponder, what am I going to do? God's asking me for a whole new level of gift and one that's going to entail my entire life and a change of plans. I've got to pivot here in a big way. And he's laying in his bed considering these things. Behold, an angel comes. And he says two things to him. First, or, well, three things. He calls him by his first name, Joseph. That's really beautiful. The uniqueness of your first name. God's reaching out to you right now, and he's saying, you've got all these things going on, and you're wondering how you're going to make out of it. Let me call you by your name. I know you. I see you. I understand you, and I love you uniquely. Joseph. The next thing he says, son of David. I, I, this is a, a, just a beautiful way of speaking to somebody. He talks about Joseph's roots. He goes after the heart of St. Joseph. Joseph, son of David. And look at how he, he, his roots, he hearkens back to Joseph's own greatness. And w- when you're pondering what you're going to do with your life and the calls that God puts on you, to put your family first or to, or, or to really excel at what you've got to do, to sacrifice years of your life in order to achieve this or that you know, calling that he's put in front of you, to move your business to, the new, to a new level or to engage yourself in your church and you're pondering that. Remember your roots. The angel puts Joseph back and recalls to him, hey, you are the son of a king and not just of any king, you're the son of David the greatest king of Israel, the one whom God called in his weakness to slay Goliath. Do not be afraid, the third thing he says. Who you are and your specificity, your unique love. The second thing, that greatness of your roots. You think of your grandfathers. You think of your great-grandfathers. You think of the people, you think of the people who, who are part of your life and your heritage. And I'm telling you the third thing, Do not be afraid. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Take heart. This isn't just an amazing thing because you say, well, how do I not be afraid? Right? The angel doesn't give him a how. <laughs> he just says, do not be afraid. Right? Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And then he explains, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's so beautiful to me that it doesn't say that the angel came and gave Joseph a big hug and then spreading his wings over Joseph, consoled his soul, right? We would, that's what we kind of like. This is some sort of miracle thing. Like I'm laying on my bed and then suddenly I felt this angel come and I knew everything was going to be okay. Like Joseph, he, the angel invites Joseph to reason. He takes him out of his deep considering and his pondering and his fear by asking him to reason. And the reasoning is the same reasoning we see throughout scripture. If God is for us, who can be against, right? If God is behind this thing, then you need to have confidence and trust in him. Joseph, son of David, do not fear for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
the first step in overcoming that that kind of freezing up that happens when we get anxiety about decisions and we get especially anxiety about the greatness God's calling us to, the very first step is consider that it comes from God and therefore nothing could be evil that comes from God. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Then she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. I think this is so which is such an astounding thing. Mary has something that she will do. And it's so amazing. He doesn't ask Joseph's permission. It's not like God's like, and then will Mary, uh, will you let Mary bear, Mary will bear a son. Your wife is on her path to holiness and I will deal with her heart as I please. She, she is married to you, but I don't need to ask your permission to sanctify her, okay? I'm going to sanctify her because she is my daughter first, and I have won her first, and no husband can interfere with what, I'm, what I have to do in, the, in the, the heart of a child or of a spouse. And I say this specifically to husbands who might be listening here, right? You, you cannot control the way that God wants to sanctify your family by your own littleness or your own fear. Do not let that happen. And in fact, God's now summoning Joseph, whose wife and child are holier than him. And then he says, here's what you're to do. You will name, you, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So you've got the role of Mary. Mary is to bear a son. The role of the child, Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. And then what is the role of Joseph? To call Jesus by his name. It's so beautiful. He does not say to, to Joseph, and then Mary will name him Jesus because she, she's the mother and, you know, God, God loves mothers best. <laughs> it's like, no, he, you shall name him Jesus yourself. This is your role and your important point. And what does that mean to name? If you go all the way back to Adam, Adam named all the animals. And when he named them, what he was doing was exercising a dominion over them. Meaning he was saying, I will tell the animals who they are in the place of God's kingdom. Sorry. In other words, like God was entrusting the animal world to Adam by the fact of Adam naming the animals. And here God asks him to name his son to give his son his rightful place in the world. And what is that? The name he shall call him, Yeshua, which means God saves. Isn't that amazing? The name Jesus, we say it means Savior. It means God, Yeshua, God saves. And so Joseph, though, has to give that name. It's so beautiful to think about that. Jesus, the Savior of the world, chose to depend upon Joseph for this that Joseph would give his name to the world. It's like there's a role there that belongs to Joseph and not to Mary. And we see it fulfilled here in verse 25. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph has to accept that God will save him by his activity. Joseph needs to move and to be decisive in this, he has to overcome his fear by taking the next step. And I think that so, for so many of us, this is what we struggle with in our leadership. 
We're constantly seeing the difficulty and the struggles that are in front of us and they can overwhelm us. And not only the difficulty and the struggles, it's be the reason we're struggling is because we're striving. We're in the arena. We're the man fighting in the arena and our face is covered with spittle and sweat and blood. This is what Theodore Roosevelt says. And yet we're standing in that arena ready to fight because we want the victory. Right. Do not allow that the struggles that you're entailed that are entailed in your striving for in your striving for greatness do not allow them to to dictate your future you need to take the next step anxiety and fear are part of what it means to be a leader they were a part even of the life of joseph and yet joseph was called by god take the next step you have a role to play that no one else can fulfill and you need to do it. God saves Joseph by giving him a task to perform. It's not in the feelings. It's not in the peace that comes and overwashes his soul. It's in the fact that he obeys God. If you want to be great, if you want to be the leader that God is calling you to be, then obey him. It's, it's really simple, right? And you're like, Father Nathan, I feel like if I obey him, well, then I might fall. And I'm like, welcome to walking on water, everybody. <laughs> this is what it means. When you're walking on water, you could always drown. And so what's the secret? You don't look at the waves. You don't look at the wind. You don't look at what's around you. You focus on Jesus who's calling you and you take the next step. If you, it's like that old adage, right? When you're going water skiing, everyone who knows when they water ski, you don't look down. Because the adage is that where you will go where you look. And so if you want to stay up on your water skis, you look straight ahead because that's where you're going to go and that's where you will go. If you look down, you go down. And in the same way it is with us, we're striving to fight for our families, fight for our marriages, fight for our children, fight for our church, fight for our business. To, to make that next step, it requires that like Joseph, we obey. He didn't tell you that the anxieties wouldn't be there. He didn't tell you that it would be easy. What he told you to do is name your son Jesus. <laughs> okay, says Joseph, then that's what I'm going to do. He takes Mary as his wife and he names him Jesus and he waits for the grace of the present moment. My friends, God will give us the grace in the moment. It is not tomorrow. It is not yesterday. It is today. Joseph has to accept that grace and follow, and so do we. I pray that you will dare great things for Christ and that you'll let God move you to that next level by trust and confidence. He will not abandon you. He loves you and is with you forever. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.